Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Intelligence Podcast. I am David Marver of Change the Padres, joined by Padres Jagoff. Yeah, we're here in is it week two of no Chargers and the Padres being the only game in town. Uh, I wanted to take this opportunity to spread the new campaign that's taking Twitter by storm, where I believe you were a victim of it today, Marver. Uh, you made the mistake of mentioning the Chargers, which was quickly followed up with a tweet by me that said... Uh, Hey, shut up about the Chargers already. And I think it's a campaign that we can all rally around. Yeah, and you know, I actually kind of embodied that on Super Bowl Sunday because I did not watch or even check the score until the fourth quarter of the game. In fact, I never watched a single second of it. So I'm already, like, breaking my uh, ties with the NFL. I'm sure I'll still play fantasy. Um, I will draft zero Chargers, but I'm fully on board with shutting the hell up about uh, the Chargers, especially, by the way, this especially goes for anyone in the local media. Like all of the articles about the Chargers and NFL and ratings for Super Bowl Sunday, which is tangentially related to the Chargers leaving, I just have no interest in that at all. And the more that's posted, the less likely I am to go to those places for news or anything. So I'm fully on board. I will try my best not to talk about it unless it's a joke. I feel like jokes are still good. Nope, I'm still gonna give you. I'm still gonna get you. It's not. It's not a valid defense for me. Any mention of the Chargers, the Spanoses, anything. Uh, I did give a pass to Ladanian Tomlinson references this weekend, but if I see a Chargers reference, it will be quickly met with a "Hey, shut up about the Chargers already." And I urge all of our listens listeners to join in on this as well. All right, so hey, why don't you shut up about the Chargers already, and let's talk about the Padres. Let's do that. So there's not a ton of news. It's not like they've signed any more players or anything like that. But there are some uh, niche things to talk about that I think we want to talk about, sort of in tandem with the, the article we're putting out there tomorrow. And that is the uniforms. So I don't know how much we want to talk about on the podcast because it is a very lengthy article. But maybe I can just give a brief overview of what I've done and what it means. And yeah, and I think no it, I think it would be good to. I, I mean, I think the reader the readers can can. I mean, it's like six thousand words almost. So it's it's a it's a volume, and it's probably hard for us to get into. And it would probably be really boring to get into some of the the methods behind it. But I think it'd be interesting to talk about what we can do with this information. Yeah. So, and that's I I, I totally agree. I don't want to get bogged down into talking about the. Uh, ins and outs of the algorithms that were used for some of the methods and stuff. But I guess if a listener really wants to know, um, you know, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. I'll be happy to give you some more information uh, off, you know, outside of the podcast. But basically what I wanted to do was get actual real data because the thing that bugs me the most is not necessarily that they're saying fans don't want Brown, but it's that they're not offering up any proof. And if you'll recall, um, when Bernie Wilson asked Ron Fowler for the focus group data a couple years back, uh, Ron Fowler told him, quote, no, you may not have that data. So to me, the biggest thing is if you're going to make a statement, at least you know have the facts laid out for us. And so uh, when Ron Fowler recently talked about the PCL uniforms, which is just complete bullshit, and I think everyone knows it's bullshit. We shouldn't have to prove the bullshit, right? Um, I thought, you know what? I'm going to go find some data myself. And I thought about it for about a second and then realized the Padres have 747,000 Facebook followers, which is an incredible volume. It's like way more than their season ticket base. I thought to myself, there's probably a lot of comments about their posts. And sure enough, um, after I wrote a computer script to literally uh, scrape every single post they've ever made since 2009 and every reply ever to those posts, along with, you know, the timestamp and, you know, who wrote it and number of likes, just a basic info. Um, I realized that data set was humongous. And with that, we could actually have a data set that, A, I'm going to give to everyone. So, you know, if you go to the article today, you can go click on that Google spreadsheet and it'll, ha- it'll have every status they've ever made and every user comment to any of the uniform statuses. Um and with that, we can actually draw some conclusions and like actually have like real data and come to real conclusions about what Padres fans want. And before I go any further, I just want to point out that the Facebook focus group here that I'm considering is bigger than any focus group the Padres could have ever done. 
right? Because even if they send a season ticket holder, every single season ticket holder, a survey, you know, A, the response rate to that is not 100% for sure. It's probably very low. Um, B, it's a pretty biased sample anyways. You're, you're basically saying, yeah, let's, let's survey only our best customers, you know, and that's not a very good way to proctor a survey. And third, you could argue, and I've made this argument on the podcast before, that the fans that are still sticking through this and through all this crap are still buying your product are probably the fans whose opinions matter the least because they're not you're not going to marginally affect their purchasing habits you might you know maybe be able to get them to upgrade tickets and where they sit or whatever but by and large you really need to be focusing on the ones that are just outside of what your current season ticket fan base is like me for example um, someone who if they bought brown uniforms might consider supporting the product a little bit more. So, well, you know, with we that, should also point out that when you limit it to season ticket holders that the demographically that likely skews older um, just based on the cost of a season ticket package and that that may not be reflective of the Padres fan base as a whole. Yeah, and and take for example like Back in nineteen, you know, ninety-eight, my dad had season tickets, right? So they said if they were to do that survey, then they would send my dad one survey, right? But there are four of us using those tickets and going to those games. You really would want four of those surveys. And the great thing with Facebook is, like, yeah, I mean, not only is the number of fans overwhelming, seven hundred forty-seven thousand, but all of those people get a voice, whether they actually go to the games, whether they sit on the couch and watch TV. And the best thing about it, actually, I think, is actually it's pragmatic, right? The Padres post something, and you get an emotional response from a fan. It's not like a hypothetical, which one of these best represents, you know, like this very fabricated studies. So, anyways, this was well, a lot and, of Hey, I'll say this yeah. as well. It, I was actually talking with someone on Twitter today about it, but um, I've thought about commissioning, like, an actual survey, and I talked to a polling company about the cost of it and, and the and the issues with it. And I've also taken the Padres survey. It, it's been sent to me as a season ticket holder. And if that's what they're basing their, their data set off of, the, the way that the questions are asked is not indicative of... Um, they're, they're not indicative of, of a true analysis of of which color scheme is better, it's always framed as a way of saying, do you prefer retro uniforms to the current ones rather than than proposing a different color set? And the other issue with that is that it expects the survey taker to be familiar with all of the past uniform sets. There's no you know pictorial showing it where you're selecting what you like best, whether it's a retro. And I think that the Padres tend to frame it as a uh, bringing back one of the eighties or seventies designs versus the blue and white design that they, that they've decided on using. And that's not an accurate way to ask the question. And those older, um, models of uniforms do have some, um, emotional, byproducts of it especially with older fans where they link it to you know miserable teams or um just a different era of baseball and rather than than framing it as a color set versus you know the current design um it's not really a fair or even response and talking to a survey company they felt that they would actually it, it would be very difficult to do this as a phone survey even because you would need to show um, potential color sets to people to get a true response from it. Um, and so there's there's all kinds of questions on the quality of what the Padres claim they're using, the, the quote-unquote quantitative and qualitative analysis that they've done. Um, right, and, and the whole thing is it's not pragmatic, right? And, and so the real advantage here is the Padres go on Facebook and they announced the new uniforms in 2012 and, you know, 2015 and 2016, uh, going on 17 here. And you get immediate responses from fans. It, it is like literally what they think of the product, and it's pragmatic because it's not saying, hey, what if we did this? What if we did that? It's literally a response to the choices they've made. And so what I've done with, with all that data, and it's, again, a lot of data, is basically broken it down four different ways. So, so I, And I don't want to get bogged down in the technical details here, so I'll just give a brief overview. Um, you know, First, I'll look at the, you know, the basic statistics, you know, like, you know, what are the most liked posts? 
how many of them are about uniforms, blah, 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 like the, the kind of boring stuff, which is still enlightening, actually, when you, when you look at the, the, the true scope of it and you see what are the most liked and what are the most disliked. It kind of solves the question right then and there, but I took it a step further. So I went into anecdotal stuff. Basically, you know, when the Padres released, here's the new 2016 uniforms, you know, what is the most liked comment to that? You know, some fan goes out there and he says, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, and that's the most liked comment. What, what do we learn from that? So I, I went into that as well. And then I did two actual uh, analytic things. So um, the first one I did is basically broke it up into different topics. And I used the same technique that in uh, basically for scientific papers, if they want to automatically classify it into like neuroscience or chemical engineering, they'll look at the words within the paper itself and automatically classify it based on like some underlying math. I did literally the same thing for Padre's comments. So I've taken a technology that is used for things that are much more important than uniform colors and applied it to this problem and you know, it works just as well for this problem and you get some very interesting results there as well. All by the way, supporting brown uniforms, not supporting PCL uniforms, not supporting the blue uniforms. Like literally all of it does support brown uniforms. And the final way I did it was looking at sentiment analysis. You might hear this if you work in marketing. Um, on the podcast, obviously, if you work in data science, you're familiar with this. Basically, you just take the the sentence and you classify it as positive or negative. And there are some databases that have all the different words in the English language and like a positive negative score for it. And you can apply some rule set to it um, to get this score. And so with that, what I've done is I've gone back to the pottery statuses, scored all the comments on it, and seen if the reaction to it was positive or negative. It's a very simple concept applying some advanced techniques to it and the responses to blue uniform updates are overwhelmingly negative the responses to way back wednesday and all these retro days are overwhelmingly positive so the 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 amount of evidence we have here from the largest focus group cannot be refuted I, i honestly don't think it can be refuted and the reason i've put my data out there is so the potteries can look at it and try to refute it if they want to you know there that's that's the whole reason i got into this thing was that i wanted to see you know, I wanted to actually put real data out there. And so getting to do that and having it support, you know, our preconceived notions about what Padres fans want was was nice. But, um, yeah, so I hope the, the listener here has a t- had a chance to read that. And if you haven't, you know, go ahead and go take a look. Um, also there, by the way, there is a link you can click, which will open up an email box automatically filled out sending it to the pottery's brain trust just saying you support this study and the conclusions or whatever i do encourage you to click that and send it so that we can uh, kind of spam their inbox here uh yeah and on top of that i think uh i saw the suggestion for a fax bomb uh i think it would be fun for everyone to print out the article and uh and fax it right into the padres uh i tweeted the the fax numbers uh 619-795 Five zero two seven, and also fax it to their other fax number six one nine seven nine five five two six six. It's a six thousand word volume, and I think it will really make a big impact to just uh, fill their fax machine and stupid rolly thermal paper with uh, with uh, this great article, just so <laughs> they know what we're thinking. I well, really and, hope that happens. You know, that That'd takes be it hilarious. to the, the next. In fact, take a picture of it and send it to us. Tweet it. Tweet it out to us. I think it'll be a fun, a fun bit for all of us to do. Yeah, especially if you're bored at work, and just have a fax machine lying around. I haven't used one in probably five years. I haven't either, still. but I have a fax machine at my disposal. Um, let's talk about what the next logical step is, though. So, you know, in a perfect world, the Padres would read this analysis and say. Uh, you know, the results are overwhelming that nobody wants PCL uniforms. Nobody wants blue and white uniforms. Um, do we honestly think they'll do anything, though? Like, l- let's just say, I mean, y- your your article is full of advanced analysis and statistical analysis. We're talking about a chief marketing officer who has no degree in business, statistics, math, anything. Um, we've seen the product of his statistical analysis when he sent us a... Uh, a laughable heat map, which is the lowest of the low for uh, for statistical analysis, with no legend and no key on how to read it, and he really thought that that was providing us some kind of uh, 
useful information, which, which, which it wasn't. Yeah, so I'll say I, I didn't write the post like a thesis, right? Like if I was actually doing this at a university f- for some reason because I you know, was trying to prove a new way to do an algorithm or something, it would be a lot harder for the average person to read. But I've kind of written it like in a way that hopefully I've explained the algorithms to a comp- like someone without the background well enough that they can understand it. So I'm hoping that Wayne Partello can read it and understand it. But I don't think he's – I don't necessarily believe he's the one that's, you know – No, I don't think he's the pu- – he's not I the puppeteer was, pulling the strings. No, and I think that if he had his draws on it, they would be in brown just based on the fact that they marketed the browns so much in the you know past couple of years and that's when he's been there. I think that that would probably be his choice. As, as far as how it affects Ron Fowler, like – I just hope that he never, ever tries to pull the wool over our eyes with the PCL uniforms because in the article you will see that there are only 10 comments ever, ever on any of the Padres uniform posts that even has the term PCL in it. Um, And when you do the topic analysis, there's not a topic that talks about red or anything like that that would hint at PCL uniforms. Literally no one is talking about it. And of those 10 comments, only four of them were positive. And two of them were by the same person. So you have three people out of 747,000 people that are actually saying we want PCL uniforms. So I I think that narrative needs to die. And if it doesn't die, I'll continue to ram this home. Um, So I I think that one might be the most realistic thing to expect. I don't think they're going to go brown because of it. But I do think this actually equips Padres fans with ammo to say, you know, the next time they say Padres fans don't want brown, you can say – but look, this is the most conclusive thing anyone's ever written about the uniforms. It's not his opinion. This is the math. These are the status updates on your Facebook from 747,000 people. The input of those people on your Facebook in terms of you know what they've liked and maybe the exact comments they've written, all that kind of stuff. So, well, I, I think, think that's the probable right because it gives us it gives us a foundation, right? Like, I think we've always wanted this, and I think. If you ask most Padres fans, they would say this, but we didn't have like an actual, you know, foundation to stand upon, right? It was kind of, you know, we have some vocal people that are very pro-Brown, like Lee Jenkins, uh, Major Garrett, even Tony Gwynn, but that's still not a plurality of Padres fans, right? I think we have that now. I think we can conclusively say anytime Ron Fowler, anyone in the Padres says, no, Padres fans don't want Brown, I think we can now point to this and say, yes, they do. You are wrong. Well, I think that's the main... Or the main... show us the data, you know? Or show us... Prove us wrong otherwise. If the Padres yeah. Send me their... If, if the Padres were okay with privately sending me their data under the guise that I get the opportunity to break it down and present a counter-argument or agree with their data, I will do that. I will, I will like, essentially work for them for free and break it down the same way I just broke this down. But right now, the only, you know, foundation that anyone has that's public is this. I, I think the main impact in you know in real life in the near term is that when the Padres lie and they often lie on this subject about about their quantitative and qualitative analysis, um, I think that we have a built-in response, and I think that'll empower people like bring back the Brown and uh, you know Padres fans in general that you know detest being a laughing a national laughing stock uh, for having the most bland, boring uniforms in baseball. Um, so I do truly hope that our readers and our listeners do send in this, uh, article to Padres ownership and management via fax and via email. And, um, we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah. And there's no excuse for not just touching the button on the, uh, it's so easy. You just literally click the button. It'll go to your standard email browser, pre-fill it out. All you have to do is click send. So, can't get easier. Yeah. So, do you want to talk actual Padres? Sure. Um, I think the other thing to talk about is the recent um, prospect list that came out. I am not going to get into reading them on here, but I will just say a couple things stood out to me. Um, the first was that Fernando Tatis Jr. ranked way higher than I think any of us ever imagined he would. And that wasn't just on one list. That was on a couple lists. Um and I would say I think the other thing that really stood out to me was 
how high Quantrill was thought of as well. Because um, there were a couple places saying that he, like, if they were to redraft last year's draft, he could potentially be the number one pick. So I think those are two positive, unexpected things that came out of it for me. I don't know if anything necessarily really changes from it, but I'm curious to see what you thought. Uh, you know, it's all good news. Um, the thing with Quantrill that I think some fans are doing is is projecting him to, to really move fast through the system. But he's going to be on a really strict innings limit coming off of Tommy John's surgery. Like, they're not going to throw him out there for 150 innings this year. Like, they're going to keep him real, you know, controlled. And that's not really the path to get to the majors really quickly. So I, I don't think like like I saw him mention that hey we can look for him late season 2018 like it would be incredible if he moved that quickly he hasn't pitched in like a year and a half and he's going to be on a, a really strict innings limit this year and you know in all likelihood next year as well um I think it's possible though like if you go look at and so the, the proper what, comparison at what, at what would point be... are we rushing him like the whole oh, thing no, no, about I... development is that we were impatient and that that doesn't lead to, to quality development I'm not saying that you you rush him along to accomplish this. I'm saying that naturally it's possible because if you so Quantrill was drafted in 2016. So if you were to go, you know, if if you're premised on saying okay he could be here late 2018, well then the comparison would be all right. If you look at guys that were here, you know, drafted in 2014, did any of them make it last year? Right. And if you go through that list of top draft picks, like a lot of them didn't. Right. Like Brady Aiken isn't there yet. Tyler Kolek isn't there. Those are high school guys though. If you look at the college arms, you have Carlos Rodon. Obviously, he, he's been there, but he was kind of advanced when he was picked. And then you have Aaron Nola. I think that's a, a reasonable comparison. He went seventh to the Phillies. He oh, which, sorry, which of those had Tommy John surgery the year before? Yes, I mean, that's that's the thing, right? I mean, that's part of the thing is that there is that innings limit. So, you know, it's possible. I think that if the Padres, you know, took it easy with him in 2017, and I think they should, I think there's still a chance that in 2018 he – you know, when they're ramping up those innings that maybe he does get, you know, a cup of tea at the end of that year. I I don't think you have to do it to do it. I think that makes no sense, right? You would only really want to do it if either he was so dominant in the minor leagues you just wanted to see what he would do, or if you were actually in some sort of pennant race and I don't think anyone expects that quite right. yet. I mean I mean this but, is I, I'm not even counting in like arbitration clock um considerations. I mean that is part of the consideration but you're talking about a guy that he literally hasn't pitched. He pitched what, like, fifteen innings last year? I think. Um, I think he got twenty or something, right? But like, yeah, something like, like a that. guy coming off Tommy John surgery, you're not breaking a hundred innings with him. I don't even know if you're getting close to a hundred innings with him this year. So, I, I just don't see him as moving that quickly, and I, I don't see the the need to push him that quickly. Uh, the other thing with with Tatis, I mean, obviously that's great, great news that the scouts are so high on him. But I noticed that. Um, I think it was one, one of the rankings. I mean, he even said that he's never actually seen Tatis play um, and that this year is really big. So, I mean, I'm excited by it, but I think that we should probably not jizz ourselves about Tatis until he puts up some numbers this season. Like, I think this season's pretty big for his prospect standing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, very few people seen have him. seen him. Um, I want to say it was Keith Law. I think it was Keith Law. Interesting, because yeah, I mean, it might, have been, long, it might have been Longen, Longenhagen, the BA guy. Okay, because yeah, I don't I mean, think, you look I don't think a lot of people have seen him. I mean, he he played in the in the futures game, and other than that, he's been where at the Dominican facility. Well, I mean, he played rookie ball last year, and then yeah. moved up to Tri City at the end of the year. I would say that you know the thing that really is going for him is that age, right? I think all of the the write-ups mention the fact that he's, like, he did everything last year at the age of 17. So, you know, coming I, into this year... I think that's year, driving a lot of the prospect rankings. Yeah. Um, but I, I it from reading the write-ups on him, I mean, he seems to be a pretty big mystery still. I mean, the scouts that have seen him have positive things to say, and that's great. But again, like I said, I think this year is going to be really huge for him, and so... Uh, you know, usually as a policy, I, I'm not going to get super excited about 17 or 18 year olds. So, um, you know, I'm eager to see how he plays this year. But I mean, yeah. obviously, the the prospect rankings are are great. I mean, they should they definitely show the depth of the system. Like the 20 to 30 range is 
is really impressive for the team that that those are the 20 to 30 guys um i think i'm less excited for some some guys you know i'm not a josh naylor fan um and i think you see in the rankings there's there's not a lot of the prospect evaluators that think he's you know a slam dunk prospect either but uh you know it's encouraging right and the goal is that we'll continue it, and you know we do have the third overall pick, so that gives the the Padres uh, a good position to keep to keep the you know keep the next wave of talent uh, you know getting into the system. Yeah, I mean, I think they're in, on the right direction. Like finally, and the and the funny part about it is they're getting shit on by the national media. If, it seems like almost every turn. I mean, there's. The rare exception, but this is like the first time they've actually done something right. Like, you know, almost textbook, kind of what the Astros did a few years back, which I thought was universally adored by the analytics community, right? They said, yeah, this is the right way to do it. The Padres seem to be doing it almost the same way, right? Large investments in the international market, brand new uh, development team, right? Stealing Logan White and, you know, all those guys. Brand new... um, uh, just like overall strategy, right? Like, yeah, this season doesn't matter. We're going to sell those parts at the trade deadline and bring back whatever we can and just com- continue to supplement our minor league system. Like, that, that is the way they need to do it to actually build the, the system. Because in the past, we heard the same story. We we heard that was their plan, right? You know, Garfinkel and the Morad years, we want to build from within, whatever. But there was no actual tangible large increase in, you know, draft spending, in uncapped years where they could have thrown as much money at it as they wanted. They didn't go out in the international market and sign some of the top guys. I mean, they might have signed one or two of them here and there, but there was never like a concerted effort to seriously get a leg leg up on your competition like they did last year. So it's all promising. Yeah, and like you said, the third pick in the draft is obviously very valuable. So, Well, yeah, and like you said, I mean, the Astros were featured on the cover of Sports Illustrated for for their rebuild plan. And I I think the difference is that they had a lot more talent at the higher levels of the minors and, and, you know, breaking into the the major leagues at that point. Whereas it's really hard with the Padres. Like, uh, we've talked about it on the podcast. Like, it's really hard to slot in people that are playing at low A um, into the future and, and count on that prediction coming true. Because there are so few uh, of those players at that level that actually do uh, make an impact in the majors, and with the Padres, it's even harder because you've got a lot of like sixteen-year-olds um, that they signed, you know, in their spree, or, or there's guys like Morahone who people really haven't seen, and it's it's just hard to. I, I think it's hard for those writers to imagine things happening and that's why i see this year as being really i mean if you really do care about the public perception of of preller and the plan i think this year is like the huge year for for how the plan is being viewed because if you have players like um you know like morihone or or the 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 fort wayne pitchers last year fall on their face this year um if you see quantrill like re-injure himself or or have um you know be ineffective I think that that's um, that is it's going to be played up by the national media. But if they do really well, I think the 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 tone and the view of the Padres will change. No, I completely agree, and I, I would throw a couple of the other names in there too, like you know guys that uh, Preller himself has chosen, because there are a lot of guys that Preller didn't choose, right? Like he didn't choose Austin Hedges, he didn't choose Hunter Renfro, but he did choose Manny Margot. He did choose Quantrill, like you said. In some of the trades, he got back guys that, you know, have a prospect pedigree but might not necessarily be looked at as super great players. Like, you know, Josh Naylor, for example, is a medium-level prospect with, you know, a first-round pedigree. But, you know, these are the types of guys that I think will kind of, you know, shape that narrative, right? Because these are the ones that Preller actually chose. So if I think if Renfro came out and fell on his face... I honestly, a first of all, I wouldn't be that all that surprised just based on his um, minor league numbers. They seem like he's a little bit riskier than the average AAA player putting up those types of overall contributions. And secondly, I just don't think that reflects necessarily on Preller um, because maybe he tried to have trade conversations about those players and they just fell through or whatever. 
So I think going forward with those guys and them failing isn't like, you know, trading away uh, Craig Kimbrell for Manny Margot and then Manny Margot falling on his face. Well, let's talk about this in the near term. Um, You know, we've talked about, you know, obviously the 2017 team is probably going to be terrible, uh, is projected to be the worst team in baseball by Steamer. Um, But Padres fans can rally around the fact that there are young players that will be taking the field um, that have been hyped up quite a bit. Um, You've got Renfro, you've got Margot, you've got Hedges, and now you have the new face of the franchise, Will Myers. And I heard it talked about on another podcast, and I thought it was an interesting point, but um, and so the Potteries have talked about waves of talent, right? But the first wave is supposedly here. And I wonder what the impact is if this wave fails. Like, how far does that set back the program? Is it fixable at that point? Um, does it set back the, the rebuild five years? Like, how many of those four can fail and still have a successful rebuild program here? Because, I mean, the odds are not all four are going to succeed at the major league level. I mean, Will Myers is good. He's he's certainly proven more, but, um, you know, purely off the numbers, he's not um, he's not a cornerstone of a franchise. So you're, we're still hoping for growth and more out of him. And the question is, what if that doesn't come? What if Margot is a, um, you know, average OBP good defender? Like, let's say that's what he tops out at. Like, what if Renfro's a strikeout? What if Renfro's Drew Stubbs? You know, which is a comparison that's been used for him. Um, you know, how many of the four can fail and, and still have success in the future? I, I would say that, you know, that from a hitter perspective, it could really be a problem because they don't really have a lot of highly thought upon prospects in their upper minors. And when I say upper minors, I'm including double A and triple A. This is pretty much it from from those guys, right? You have Manny Margot, Hunter Renfro, Austin Hedges. I would say those are the three main ones. You can throw Jankowski in that conversation if you really want to. You could even, you know, count Myers and Spangenberg and even Aswahe. But I think by and large, whether or not the window is, you know, late 2018 through 2020, which we would consider that early window, or whether it's later than that, is really dependent on how well those position players do. If Denison Lamette comes up and he's a great pitcher, you know, number three starter down the line because he reaches his potential or whatever, that's great, and that'll help the team. But I don't think that if, if he fails to do that, that doesn't slow the team down very much because I think a lot of their pitchers are a little bit closer than their hitters. So I think at this point, if you're talking about having the window be sooner rather than later, you need to really be rooting for those, you know, at least two of those batters to stick, right? Right, and I think you it really gives... Margot to be a four-win player. You really need one of Spangenberg or Jankowski or Renfro to be another, you know, two-and-a-half predictable two-and-a-half-win player every year. And we need Myers to remain a a four-win player. Because if I, I, you know, if he drops below that, if he gets back to, like, two-and-a-half-win player, that's that's a drag on the the team, especially at that, you know, especially at that position. I don't know if it's a drag. It just won't make him a bargain, right? It'll make him just, like, a market player and don't get me wrong you need those players right right because there's you, there's value in that because if he wasn't you'd have to replace him with someone who was and that would cost probably more money so i don't necessarily see him becoming a drag unless he has wrist injuries which is like if you're looking in the crystal ball you know and you're or if you're if you're trying to make it into a probability thing and it's a 20-sided die i would say at least two of those sides are wrist injury right like i still think there's a 10 percent chance that he ends up having chronic injuries. So, like, that is a, a possible result. But I still, I'm, I'm not sure that has as big of effect as if Margot and Renfro and, you know, insert other players, hedges, whatever, aren't plus players. Because if those guys aren't, I mean, you're really looking at... <laughs> there's not a lot there. I mean, no, you're talking really about Solarte being, you know, depending on Solarte to be a middle-of-the-order cornerstone, which he's not. That's not happening. Right. So I think then what you're looking at is, yeah, you're looking for those 19-year-olds and down below to, A, you're kind of banking on them more at that point. B, you really need your number three pick this year to be a bat (laughs) and be a college bat at that if you can um, so that you can kind of get out ahead of those 
Dominican guys and Cuban guys before they come here again. But yeah, I mean, I think it is I mean, it, for them. On the bright side, two of those players, a lot of their value is derived from from defense. I mean, if Hedges hits two twenty. Um, I think I heard Mark Grant like predicting maybe ten to twelve home runs is like a, a good case for him. Um, you know, he's not going to be a cornerstone of the lineup. He's a seven or eight hitter in the lineup. Uh, Margot, you know, if he doesn't hit, if he doesn't hit, um, he's got his defense right, ideally. But that's like having, you know, I, I don't know if it's a team that you can count on to compete in the future if you have you know, three Travis Jankowski's in the, in the lineup. Like it's, it's tough. Um, especially when you have weaknesses at other positions like shortstop and, um, you know, there's the possible regression of Solarte at third. Um, it's scary. It's scary to think. And and it does give Padres fans something to watch this year and to root for, because I, I really think that while the fanfare was for, you know, the guys we drafted and the guys that Preller signed, internationally um if the guys fail this year i think that sets us back into well into the 2020s to where you could hope and then you're counting on 16 year olds progressing advancing developing and becoming not just major leaguers but productive productive I mean, I major leaguers ba- i think you're already kind of banking on that anyways well but you are you're, but you're, more... you're hedging your risk by having you know supposedly waves of talent and i think if the first wave falls flat that that it, it seriously sets back a lot of I mean that that basically undoes some of the offloading of veterans that we've done because the fruits of those trades aren't 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 helping the team yeah I will say though that the projections seem to say that that's not going to happen right like the odds you know a most of the projections have been very favorable for Manny Margot not yes, just defensively yeah. not just base running but in terms of you know walk rate on base percentage and his future um, you know, trajectory, they're all pretty positive. The The Renfro ones are a little bit mixed. And then I, I, I've seen some pretty favorable things for Will Myers and Jankowski. So I'm not, uh, and Hedges. So I'm not, I'm not really thinking on those terms at this point. I'm kind of imagining that at least one of those guys, I think the odds that one of those guys becomes a good player at the major league level is pretty good, actually. You know, compared to years past where it was like, you know, you're bringing up Alexi Amarista, Yonder Alonso, you know, like those types of names where you're like, okay, 90th percentile for this player is that he becomes a two-and-a-half win player. I don't think that's what we're dealing with right now. I think we have legitimate prospects. I think the odds of all falling on their face is pretty low. So I'm not, I'm not playing through that scenario in my head too much. But in case that it did happen, I would – I totally agree. It shifts the – it shifts the uh, window a lot more than if Quantrill goes down. Because if Quantrill goes down, there's still a lot of pitching at that, you know, at that level. Right. They still have a lot of that coming through. Like that wave is closer than the next wave of hitters. So you kind of need, um, if you're looking sooner rather than later, then you would need this first wave of hitters to really stick. And conversely, the first wave of pitchers too, right? Who like Lamet Kelly? No, 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 no. I'm talking? talking the first, the first real wave, right? I don't think, I don't think we're. You mean all the guys that are in, in in literally low A, the ones that were in low A all season? I think some of those guys will end up in double A this year. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we've said on here plenty of times that Lake Elsinore is going to be the the prime Padres baseball that we can watch. Um, I don't know. It scares me. You know, it scares me that there's so much riding on on, on their success. I, I I believe for this year. Um, you know, we hope to see development and things like that, but um, you know, it's not a zero percent chance that they that some some of those four fall on their face in the major leagues. So it's a little scary to think that when most of the projections for how we compete um, in 2019, you know, theoretically relies on those four remaining and becoming and remaining productive, useful, um, above average players for the Padres. Renfro scares me. Renfro scares me a lot. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And you actually saw that. I don't know if you saw the Andy Green interview. I don't remember where it was, if it was on Darren Smith or if it was somewhere else, um, where he was basically saying that 
he has all the talent in the world. He just needs to stay in the strike zone. I mean, that's kind of been what we've been saying all along. Well, right? I mean, you could literally say that about every single hitter. Yeah, but for him, I think it's majors, more true, but, right? His walk rate especially is with so him, low. Yeah, terrible walk rate. And, and just scouts have observed that he has a lot of trouble with certain breaking balls. And he had, he was great, you know, in a very brief um, audition last year. But there certainly wasn't time for pitchers to, you know, scout him, adjust to it. Um, you know, aside from the fact that it was in September when a lot of scrubs are pitching. Um, so, I mean, that'll be pretty key is to see how, you know, a lot of players have come out hot and, and just been unable to adjust to the league. So, And another thing we pointed out on this podcast a bunch was, you know, obviously his arm's fantastic, like his throwing arm. Um, but, you know, his talent would come down to A, if he can draw walks, and B, you know, what's his range like in the outfield? I don't think either you nor I doubt his ability to hit home runs. But no, and then the an most arm recent is great, projection. But, but let's, not forget, most... let's not forget that Matt Kemp uh, had an incredibly above-average arm in right field, and it wasn't enough to save his defensive um, you know, value to the team. Well, the good news is I've seen two recent projections for Hunter Renfro defensively, and both of them actually have him as a plus defender. Not even just average, not just not bad, but actually as a plus defender. Um, and one of those is actually based on his minor league range statistics. So that is pretty promising. Um, I'm not going to bank that by any means, but um, that will definitely help his stock, right? If he can add a win defensively or two wins defensively, then you know he can walk at a 4% clip and still be a valuable player for the Padres. Right, and that's the thing with with these four players specifically. The the floor is raised a little bit because they're they're there's so much value in them from their defensive side. So, um, I got nothing else to talk about. It's been uniforms and prospects for me. Um, That's really all we've got. That's all we're going to have for a while. But I do think it's good that there are some things that fans can look forward to watching this year, um, you know, aside from terrible pitching. Actually, I do have one more announcement, um, and that is a contest, actually, for our listeners. Do you want to announce a contest? Do you want me to announce it? I totally had forgotten that we had a contest, but we have a contest, and I'll allow you to explain the rules. <laughs> okay, so basically it's going to work like this. We are giving away, or we have partnered with Mad Friars, in order to give away a Mad Friars subscription. For those of you not aware, Mad Friars is a website. They are the premier site to go to if you want anything Padres prospects. Full disclosure here, I don't currently have a subscription. I was splitting one with another friend. Oh, Marver, we that's so mi- that's so miserly. I know it is. And so I'm it's going not to that buy expensive. one this year. I know. I'm going to buy one this year. But you know what's really not expensive is the person who wins our contest gets one for free. So that'll cost that person zero dollars. So here's the contest. We are obviously very disappointed with the uh, giveaways this year. Um, I think that goes for, without saying, not just you and I, but just basically across Padres lands. No one seems to like the giveaway um, list this year. Well, because so, it totally sucks. Right. So we've devised a contest. Part of this is to shame the Padres into, you know, Hey, your giveaways suck. Look what we were able to come up with. And, but part of it is actually because I think it'll be fun. Um, so here's how the contest works. Uh, basically, invent a giveaway for the 2019 Padres. The giveaway must include a minor league theme. For example, if you are going off one of my previous posts, you might have the giveaway be a crown, a brown and gold crown for King Espinosa. You know, use your imagination here. The only rule here is that it has to be minor league themed, right? So it could be about a minor league player, one of organizations, whatever. Submit the idea by February, what day do you want to make the deadline? A week from today? So the 15th? Let's give 10 days. Okay, so February 18th. And you can submit it to either Marvel, at today's the Padres. Six. Today's the 6th. Oh, yeah. Why did I think it was the 7th? February 16th. Okay, that February way they have 16th. a chance to discuss it over dinner on Valentine's Day and come up with something great. Sure. February 16th, submit the idea to Ed Change the Padres or Padres Jagoff on Twitter 
or you can email me, changethepodrace at gmail.com. The way we'll do the judging is that Padres Jagoff and I, we will make a Intelligence post displaying our favorites and the official finalists. So we'll do that first layer of these are the best ones, these are the ones that could potentially win, and we'll hold a final vote on Twitter. And the idea with the most votes on Twitter wins. Do you want to come up with some judging criteria here for people? Because I know in the official rules I just described, which we'll post, I didn't uh, talk about like what we're going to grade it on. I like to keep it uh, very general. Like I, I want it completely subjective. Uh, it could make us. Does laugh. it have to be? Does it have to be feasible? Like, could it actually be given away? <sighs> uh, like if you, someone says, like, like, a, like, so not a solid gold statue of Anderson right, Espinosa like, that would that certainly would please the fans. But yeah, it's not is, like a uranium elbow, you know, yeah. giveaway or something like that. Like, no, it can't be that. It has to be. I think it, it should be, be feasible. Let's say that's part okay. of the criteria. It needs to be a feasible thing that Wayne Partello could actually order from China to have made and shipped here in a container. Okay, I can agree with those terms. I will personally say that I will judge on a little bit of creativity. I'm, yeah, I'm big on creativity. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have I, to be I am hilarious. big on the tie be... to Padres of the future. Well, it has to. That's part of the criteria yeah. here with Mad Friars is that the giveaway has to be minor league themed. So whether that's a player that's currently in the minor leagues or it's just somehow related to the minor leagues in any way, shape, or form. Um doesn't really matter to me how it is. That's just the rules. And like I said, um, once we've chosen that winner or the finalists and you guys choose the winner on Twitter, uh, we'll get your email address and Matt Friars will set up the rest. You'll get a uh, – I believe it's a free season pass, right, of a one-year subscription. Yeah, and I'm going to say this. that We've had John Conniff on before. Um, I've, ha- I've, I've lunched with John Conniff before. There's no one more knowledgeable about the Padres minor leagues than the Mad Friars guys. Uh, David J., um, John Conniff, uh, is it Kevin Charity, I think is one of them. Um, they, they, they know every single minor leaguer. They talk to them. They go to the games. Um, there's, there's really no one more knowledgeable. They know more than Baseball America. They know more than any of the national prospect writers. Um, it's incredible their knowledge base about the Padres minor league system. And given where the Padres system is at, it's it's pretty much absolutely mandatory that that Padres fans have access to that that information. So whether you win or lose this, um, you you need this. Like this is the the best. Don't rely on. Trust me. Don't rely on Bill Center for your information on the minor leagues. Um, you need the daily update. You know, there's like game wraps and discussions of what's going on in the minor league system during the during the year every day and um you know we've worked hard to try to break the the habit of going to padres.com and listening to team employees um tell you what team executives want you to hear and the people at mad friars are giving you giving it to you straight and they're actually knowledgeable about it uh the subjects that they write on um unlike bill center yeah, and like here's here's an example. They have a bunch of Q and A's on their website right now with you know, Jorge Onya, Logan Allen, um, Reggie Lawson. They have you know write ups on prospects that I've never even heard of. That and, and I did the top seventy five prospect list. So if I haven't heard of these guys, they're obviously very in depth in their coverage. They even have you know posts up right now about the minor league staffs that are going to be in place, field staffs for twenty seventeen. You know, so there's a whole lot of information you can get there that you cannot get anywhere else. So right, and, and they talk to sweet. They talk to the, ex, the you know the the managers and, and the coaches that are on those teams, and it's like insight that you're not going to get anywhere else. Like like if if you know Keith Law comes to town to watch uh, a Lake Elsinore game, like you're getting surface stuff, but you're not getting the level of detail that Matt Fryers gives you. Yeah, and not just, you know, for example, if you wanted to know what types of pitches some random guy threw, you know, maybe you might be able to find that on there. But to learn, like, what they're lo- working on in the minor leagues, you know, what where their mental frame is for, you know, what they're trying to build for the season, you know, just updates on all the players. You know, sometimes you'll be following the stats of a player, and, you you know, you check it every month or you check it every couple weeks, you know. Um, you will know immediately what's going on with that player, why they have a bad outing, you know, or 
you know, what type of injury they suffered and when they're trying to come back or, you know, maybe a player gave up two home runs in his start, but he thought it was a good start because he was locating a certain pitch. You know, all those little nuances about minor leagues, you know, if you want to get that information, the only place you could possibly get that for the Padres is at Mad Friars. Yeah, and just to, like Friarwire on Padres.com, Bill Center's blog, he writes a lot about the minor leagues, but really all he does is scout the box score. And he'll he'll tweet out something that's like... Yeah, simpletons like Marver scout the box score. You can stay right here on GoIntelligence.com and get that analysis if that's what you want. Right. I mean, if you really need someone to tweet out to you that, uh, you know, Buddy Reed went two for four with a stolen base, and then as if that extrapolates any kind of uh, projection or analysis, um, you know, go ahead and, and just use Bill Center as your resource. But if you actually care about where the team is going in the future... You're going to need a Mad Friar subscription. I am a paying Mad Friars subscriber, and um, I don't regret it at all. It's it's and it's I, one of the and key I'm about resources to be. on my yeah. own account. Yes. I will have my own we can account only this hope. season. I will not be freeloading. Actually, I was never freeloading. I was splitting it. But that's free. That that's freeloading. Come on, Marver. It's half freeloading. Act like the one percenter that you pretend to be. <laughs> okay, so once again that's by february 16th guys just submit an idea for a padres 2019 giveaway that is minor league themed um we will get back to you with the intelligence posts on the final list and then the final winner will be in your hands so yeah uh yeah. get brainstorming so everyone we've got many things that we are assigning out to our listeners there's obviously the, the mad friars contest uh there is the um uh, Hey, Beautiful shut up! Faction. Hey, shut up about the Chargers already uh, campaign, which is going hot, and of course the uh, sending of the of the results of Marver's exhaustive analysis supporting the idea that brown is the preferred color of the Padres to be emailed via a simple uh, a simple button on the on the article or faxed if you really want to do it with panache like I do, a lot of panache. Uh, be sure to fax that out to the Padres at 619-795-5266 and 619-795-5027. I believe one of them is the front office fax machine and one of them is the baseball operations fax machine, just so that our point gets across. All right, and I think that's it for today, unless you got a last-second topic you want to talk about. I think about. that's it. I think we've covered a lot today. All right. Well, until next time then, go Padres. Go Padres.